So I wanted to do something about modern religious life, modern Catholic religious life. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. And today we got uh, joining us is Brett Davis. How's it going? You like, do you, you officially go by Brett A. Davis? Well, I have the privilege of having two first or two last names, the way that you look at it. So brettdavis.com is already taken <laughs> by someone else. And then brettdavisphotography.com is a wedding slash sports photographer in Georgia. So I went with Brett A. Davis. Oh, that's who I thought we were talking to. We were yeah. talking to the sports <laughs> photography here. What? So yeah, we met at the, the Japanese Zine Fest for 10 by 10. Yeah. How do you say it? What was the name of Shashan? Shashin? Shashin Photo Fest. Yeah. Which is um, it's put on by this guy named Ivan, who's kind of a curator um, slash photo book slash Japanese photography enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I met him briefly, but my friend Yoshi, who you're friends with, mm -hmm. he and I went together, and I'm super interested in Japanese photography, so it was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh then Olia and Russet from 10 by 10, who were also on the show, kind of organized it as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I met I met them for the first time. Oh, yeah. nice. It, yeah. I mean, if you know, if you, if you follow photo books, you got to know Olia. Well, it's it's <laughs> funny because I had read a lot of articles online about Japanese photography, uh -huh. and I follow people on Instagram. I've been following 10 by 10 for a long time now. They're one of my favorite Instagram accounts, uh -huh. and then. You meet people in real life, and you're like, oh, they're super nice and super interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then you go home, and you're like, holy shit, I've been following them on Instagram for two years. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That type of thing. Well, that was, that was the thing. I was kind of following your Tumblr, too, because you mentioned that I'd reblogged some picture of your a dog. And I was like, oh, yeah. So yeah. Kind of like, yeah. I remember seeing your work, but then I was like, oh, wait a minute. You know, it's, it is kind of freaky how that happens, and it happens to me frequently with with Tumblr. Yeah, it was a photo of my dad clipping my dog's toenails oh. that you reblogged and it got like, I don't know, 80 likes. And I, I like saw my phone blowing up with all these people <laughs> reblogging or liking, which never happens to me on Tumblr. So uh, thank you for that. Don't worry, it doesn't happen <laughs> on my personal photography either. You yeah. Know? I, I get I get all the I'll get I get all the the likes and reblogs for the stuff I just put out there but I mean it's really a it's a fluke I've been on Tumblr for so long with that thing and then so over the years you pick up followers but they haven't caught on to you yet I don't know I mean I just started it as a, my scrapbook of stuff I well you know I like if I see a photo it's like bam hit a button and put it up or reblog it and I just have it like sometimes I go back on that thing and it's seven years old and so you can go dig into that thing forever and you run into quotes from like five years ago and old photos so it's I don't know Part of me wants to just hit the delete button on it and be like, yeah, yeah. yeah or, or just like stop and be like, that's it, 2007 to 2015, done, you know, but. Well, maybe you can start a new blog because my blog, I started 2011 and I was learning how to use a camera. So just imagine very basic, horrible <laughs> experimentation with Photoshop. <laughs> wow, so you started photographing in 2011? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, so. You know how people have those inspirational stories about teachers and how they inspire uh -huh. them? Um, I took a photography class when I was 15, and it was pretty much the opposite of that. <laughs> so, 
we had a class that was set up in modules. Uh-huh. So I learned the history of photography, and then I learned darkroom stuff, so developing negatives, and then I learned how to make prints. Uh-huh. But then the semester ended, I never learned how to use a camera. Uh-huh. So after that, I, I really didn't enjoy that class, so I stopped doing photography in high school. Hmm. I did a lot of painting, a lot of drawing, and actually did have a very inspirational teacher who told me, he's like basically saying, if you think you can do better than other people, then why don't you just do it? Uh-huh. Which was cool. But uh, yeah, in 2011, got back into photography after graduating college. I went to Georgetown where I did American Studies, which has a documentary studies program attached mm-hmm. to it. So junior year, we're reading things like Let Us Now Praise Famous Men. Uh-huh. Uh, looked at a book called Wisconsin Death Trip. If oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So kind of getting, that was my introduction to like American photography. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was very familiar with Walker Evans, uh, Robert Frank, who's Swiss, but he might as well yeah, be American. Yeah, yeah. And so I started doing my own photography to kind of round out the, I had learned video editing uh-huh. and Basically, documentary video, audio, all that stuff. I wanted to do backpack journalism, so I started learning photography. Nice, yeah. nice. So did you give up the backpack journalism? No, yeah. I mean, that's what basically what I'm doing with this Nun Project. Oh, okay. I'm doing, oh, yeah. yeah. doing everything yeah, it's myself. Point. It's a good point. Yeah. So we, maybe we should talk about that, huh? So you're yeah. going around and you're, you're, you're interviewing and you're photographing the Catholic nuns around the United States, right? Yeah, so it started... Georgetown's a Jesuit school. Uh-huh. My one of my roommates became a Jesuit priest um, very recently, and so I wanted to do something about modern religious life, modern Catholic religious life. And he lives in Chicago, so that's very difficult. But when I moved uh-huh. to Bushwick two years ago, my roommate was talking about her godmother, who is a nun up in Austining at uh, Marion Old Convent. So I went up there probably like a year and a half ago, met with this woman, Sister Dora. She had been a missionary for like 25 years in the Marshall Islands. Just a very, very interesting woman, a very different experience than what you would think in speaking with a Catholic nun. Right. But it is the year 2015, so you can't expect them to be the same as what your parents had as... Right. Second grade teachers. Yeah, I mean, I went to a small private liberal arts school and it was run by monks, St. John's University in Minnesota. Oh, okay. And it's yeah. also the monks <laughs> live on campus and they're, you know, they live in the dorms and they, you know, they're your teachers and whatever. And, you know, uh, there's just so many stories that you would hear about them. They make their own wine and make their own beer, like yeah, right yeah, on yeah. that. And, you know, they like to uh, indulge a little bit in, you know, yeah. food and wine and. The Jesuits at Georgetown definitely love to drink. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I met Sister Dora, and Marinol is kind of rare nowadays in that it's still a pretty large community. They have around 200 people. But the general trend is that there aren't many new nuns, and the the whole population is very top-heavy. Mm-hmm. So it's an issue of are these people remaining healthy sisters able to take care of the Mm -hmm. older sisters. And then for me, from a documentary standpoint, what I wanted to do was to do a project that kind of collected these stories 
kind of documented documented this lifestyle before it's gone or changed or whatever. So that's kind of the launching point from from my first meeting with Sister Dora. I've gone back to Mary Knoll probably, I don't know, eight times in the past two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also gone to the Poor Clares in Cincinnati and then the Ursulines of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And then I've been in talks with uh, people in Boston, New York, and just trying to get a broad show a broad spectrum because a lot of these nuns they have different individual religious orders and they have different missions and different things that are prioritized and so the Marinol sisters they are all about missionary work uh -huh. so all of their work is mostly done in the third world uh -huh. so the women that I speak with they live in places like the Marshall Islands I uh, met a woman who lived in Hong Kong for 35 years, wow. and she was telling me that when she first moved to Hong Kong, it was a sleepy little fishing village. <laughs> and so, you know, you talk to these yeah. people, and she had lived there and seen the landscape literally change uh -huh. drastically. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, and then the poor Claire's, they live a cloistered life. So they wear these brown outfits. Uh -huh. um, they live a life of poverty, and basically they sit in their convent and they pray a lot, and they uh -huh. go about their day-to-day -day life, but they live in the woods in southwestern Ohio uh -huh. without much interaction with the outside population. So what do they think of you? What do they think of the project? Are they like, why is this guy coming here? What's he want to do? Or a they, lot of people yeah. are like that, uh, but most of the women that I've met with have been very open and very interested. Um, People like to have their story told, mm -hmm. and they like to have it told right, I guess. Um, so the poor Claire's, yeah, they're they're more reserved than, say, the Mary Knoll sisters, but they were so excited for me to be there. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. So I went to, I went to mass with them, with eight women and uh -huh. me. We were sitting there, <laughs> and then afterwards. I took portraits, mm -hmm. and then they kind of did a mock day, like uh -huh. what they do day to day. What? Which so they kind of play? They were play acting. They were yeah, acting yeah, yeah. You? They oh, were so stoked <laughs> to, <laughs> to. I mean, think about it. If you yeah. live in a convent in the woods uh -huh. and you don't have much interaction with the outside world, and then someone wants to come and do a project uh -huh. about your lives, they were very excited, very, uh -huh. very helpful. So. Um, yeah, that was one of the more fun shoots that I did. That really, yeah, that adds an interesting dynamic to it because they're posing and they're really hyper aware of the camera and they know what's going on, you know? Yeah, so they were they were pretending to cook lunch uh, <laughs> and then one woman was pretending to sit and do computer work, uh, uh, which is what she yeah. actually does on a yeah. day-to-day basis, but, you know, it's... Were they were they ever like should I move my head this way should I move my head this way No like, no it's uh it's funny cuz like most people are awkward in front of the camera and don't like having their picture taken Really? And Really? <laughs> yes. And that is a thousand percent true for nuns as well. Uh -huh. So I sit and I interview them um and then afterwards once we're more comfortable with each other I'll take a couple portraits. Mm -hmm. But for each woman, I usually only get a couple frames because. Should we should we listen to one of the clips? Should we try yeah. to do it? Huh? 
Okay, which one? Which one? I, which one should I listen to here? Uh, yeah, you can kind of take let's over. Let's see. I'll give you some background yeah. information. Yeah. Let's um. See. Well, how much time do you have? Because they're. Well, we can just start. We can just listen to a, a little bit of one. You know. Okay. Just play one, and then we'll. So one of my favorite nuns that I spoke with is a married old sister. Her name's Sister Rosalie. Uh huh. And she's from the Philippines. Um, but she did most of her work in Tanzania, uh-huh. and she is just, she's one of the most charming people I've ever met, and I don't think I've laughed so much <laughs> when interviewing a nun. <laughs> so, well, you're putting a lot of pressure on the clip then, huh? No, no, no. So <laughs> I'll, I'll play, she, she talks a lot about her life back in the Philippines and how she entered Mary Noel, but then she also talks about starting a co-op in Tanzania. Um, do you have any preference? Because both are... No, funny. knock it out and put it one All in. Right, we'll, we'll do the, the co-op okay. in, in Tanzania. So, But that is the life in Tanzania. And so I, with the girls, I say, you're so generous with yourself. But they said, but sister, what do we do? And, you know, that's how this age also spread. The girls were... And so I said, but you can do something. I said, what? I said, do something with your hands. So I started the vocational school. Tupandane, which, mean, which means love one another. So we had that vocational school. And the girls, I, and I remember the Paris Priest breath. It was so funny. Because I told the girls, you know what? You just give me two years of your life and you can screw anybody. And the pastor <laughs> said, Sister, sister, how can you say those words? I said, That's the language and the street that I hear. And that's the only thing that they would understand. I, I tell them all the pious words. Father, we will never get them. So he said, Well, we don't know what you're about. But they always tell the girls, You can screw anybody. Just give me two years. Okay, it's a deal, it's a deal. Teach them for two But by the time two years is finished, they have forgotten that they will, they really get enthused with what they are doing. We make cards, we make sweaters, we make uniforms, and then we sell it and they get the money. Mm-hmm. They, we just leave money for, every Saturday we call it inspection day. They give me what they finish, and we have uh, quality control, we see, okay. If they are not well done, I said, Mm-mm, you have to do it again. Okay, so she goes on to talk about the co-op. Uh-huh. And basically, the best way I can describe it is it's like a Costco in Tanzania in the <laughs> 1980s. So she's teaching these women how to make dresses, how to make practical things to sell. Um, and then... It starts to grow. More people are interested in joining, even though she had a very difficult time convincing people to to join at first. And then she they start renting wedding dresses. And then because there so many people are dying of AIDS and malaria, she enlists the elderly women whose husbands might be absent or dead or just not very good husbands to make coffins. <laughs> which was originally kind of scoffed at, but then once everyone realized that they had such a huge shortage of coffins, everyone was cool with it. Mm. So she started this in the 80s, and 
it's still going on to this day and all the people that she originally trained now have taken it over. And so I mean you can see her sense of humor and yeah. And she's she's very she's a very feisty woman. Um very very interesting. Not who you would typically think of when you think of a Catholic nun right, doing right. missionary work. So what do you kind of envision for the project? I mean, do you ha- how long do you think you're going to be working on it? And is, is obviously you're a, you're a bookmaker, so you envision it as a book, but how are you going to put it together with like the interviews and all that kind of These are it? all very good questions. <laughs> <laughs> the way that yeah. I see it, um, I'm going to do a book for sure. It's always been, in my mind, a book project. Uh-huh. Um so it's going to be a combination of still imagery and then also transcribed oral histories. Oh, okay. Awesome. But uh, when I was in college, I did my senior thesis on embedded journalism. And so I interviewed um, Tim Hetherington, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. did Restrepo. And basically what I learned from him was is that you can use the same material, but in different contexts, different platforms. Mm-hmm. So while he was in the Korangal Valley in Afghanistan, he was taking still images for a book that he made called Infidel, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting. He also did the video documentary Restrepo. Mm -hmm. He did multiple short docs for different uh, TV uh, channels. Mm -hmm. And then he also had an art installation called Sleeping Soldiers, which Mm kind of made the rounds 2000. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's all the same material and yeah. same experience, but you're kind of reaching different audiences and and tapping into different platforms. Mm-hmm. So for the nuns, I mean, I would like to to kind of spend the next couple of years doing it right. I've only been to a couple of convents in New York and in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. When I was in San Francisco, the, there was a really cool convent out in the middle of the Redwood Forest where they made honey but they weren't so down for the project <laughs> or didn't have time. Uh, it's just, it's it's a long-term project. Right. So it's probably going to take another year or two. So, th- But this is the longest-term project you've worked on because you have a, you know, a few other books that you've done. If you've only four years, you must kind of like put them out pretty quickly, and now you're working on something that's a little bit more expansive. So is that... Yeah, so this is like my... When I put this out, I'm going to put it on the table and say... Hey, everyone, look, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a serious documentary photographer. Uh-huh. And this is the type of project that I've always wanted to do. But uh-huh. since I started photography in 2011, it's kind of taken me up to this point to get my skills to the point where I'm comfortable with putting out a project this uh-huh. big. So maybe we should go to being a serious documentary photographer yeah. to being uh, a photographer who takes pictures of cats yeah. in Brooklyn, yeah. in Bushwick. <laughs> That's a, so you have a this, good segue. Yeah, the, this tomb of, uh, there's snapshots of, uh, it's, it's, it's street photography except cats as your subject. Yeah, so. That's really dedication, man. I mean, you must have taken hundreds of pictures of cats by now. How many pages is that? Uh, it's like, ooh. I think it's around 180 pages. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so this, I moved to Bushwick two years ago, and I always carry a point-and-shoot 35-millimeter camera with me. Usually, well, in the past, a Yashica T4 that I actually bought from Henry Hornstein. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's got magical powers. <laughs> yeah. <Street cred. laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, every single time I come home for work or stumbling home drunk, Whatever, you know, you see these street cats 
and I would just take pictures. And a lot of it was me thinking, I have some really cool photos on this role. I need to kill this role. I'll just <laughs> take photos of cats. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Just whenever I, I pass one. And I never really thought anything of it because I'm actually allergic to cats. And even though I like animals and uh -huh. I like cats, I'm not going to pick one off the street and take it home. Right, right, yeah. So eventually it became this thing where like I had 60 so might as well keep doing it uh -huh. and when I was at the art book fair last year promoting my other book I didn't have a business card and so I thought it'd be funny if I just printed out every single cat photo I'd ever taken <laughs> and used that as a business card nice so when I got to art book fair I was sitting there trying to sell this book about censored Japanese porn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No one wanted to buy my book, but they were very interested in these cat photos. And they, <laughs> they kept on asking me, how much are these cat photos? And then I just kind of looked at the ground and said they were free. <laughs> but I, I decided that I would do a cat book just to to please the people. Uh-huh. And please your audience. People have been into it. You know, it's um I made it Japanese themed because I've been making a conscious effort to put out projects that are influenced by Japanese photography. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's called Nya, which is Japanese for meow. Mm -hmm. And then on the side it says Buretto, which is my Japanese name. <laughs> so, so have you been to Japan? No. You, you haven't been to Japan? No. Wow, that's interesting. I have a lot of Japanese friends in New York, but uh -huh. there aren't too many Japanese people in Cincinnati, Ohio. So <laughs> right. it wasn't until I moved to New York and was working in kind of the commercial fashion uh -huh. world and then the art photography world that I I met Japanese people. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you I mean you got to be planning on going at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the good thing about the way that visas are set up in the United States is that all these kids come over from Japan and they take English classes, but then as soon as their visa expires, they get sent back home. Mm -hmm. So, I do have a lot of friends that live in Tokyo oh, now. Okay. One of my friends lives in Shikoku, so I'm going to try to go over winter break to visit Tokyo and nice. Shikoku. Nice. So since, you know, we our podcast is all about photo books, I guess, how you do all your own design and all that. Where did you learn to put together books? Is this something you just have a process of like experimenting or is it something you took, you know, apprenticeship or you learned? No, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no. no the, uh, so... After college, I was living at home, and I was actually a substitute teacher. There's nothing to do in Ohio after all your friends leave. So I, I taught myself how to use a lot of Adobe programs. Mm. Um, and then I moved to Boston, and I was working at a restaurant in Harvard Square while also photo assisting. And I met this girl, Katie Moore, who went to SCAD. She was really involved with Ain't Bad, if you've ever heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she kind of introduced me to the whole photo book thing because mm -hmm. I had taken a history of photography class senior year in college, but it was, w there were photo books there, but my professor was really weird about it. <laughs> like he would, he would freak out if you weren't like opening it in the right sort of uh -huh. way. And I never really thought about putting out photo books. I just had been thinking like, oh, I have to build a portfolio so I can make money. Right. Like, whatever, whatever. But once I met Katie, 
it was kind of eye-opening because she was really involved in the whole self-publishing community. Mm -hmm. And she's the one who introduced me to New York Art Book Fair. She introduced me to Nate Grand, who does Empty Stretch, and Mm -hmm. he's the one who ended up publishing my first book. Um, Katie's the one who introduced me to Yoshi. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. she was kind of my gateway into this whole world. So thank you, Katie. (laughs) Big shout out. She also, she's in Cleveland right now working for the Society of Photographic Education, Mm -hmm. but she also does her own traveling photo book store called the Nomadic Bookshelf. Nice. cool. Nice. Yeah. So the first book here is like, it's a, how do you say it? It's another Japanese name. Daikincho. And this is your, is this all appropriated imagery from Japanese porn? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you had, you spent a lot of time watching Japanese porn. Yeah. So... (laughs) Ja, yeah. <laughs> There's no easy way around yeah, that. Yeah, well, I but, mean, it's right uh, there in the book, you know. The so ja- Japan has a history of censorship, and I had had several conversations with friends of mine about, like, okay, well, you know, Iraqi got censored, and all these artists are getting censored. Well, what is the point of even making porn in Japan if it's all censored? Uh-huh. And this was winter of 2013 to 14 I just moved here I was living in Bushwick with like in a really old apartment that didn't have heat and I was just like <laughs> very miserable at this crossroads in my life uh-huh. and I was like I need to do something I need to like put something <laughs> out into oh, the world I need to do some sort of art project some sort of book project or I'm gonna go yeah. crazy and, and since it was just on the screen you might as well but yeah so the idea behind Daikincho which means uh, the working title was high anxiety uh-huh. which uh, Daikincho means great nervous tension it's it's not directly translated but that's essentially what it means uh, to take something that is so graphic, you have this this act, this mm-hmm. sexual act, and then it's filmed by some guy or girl, and then it's censored by the government, and then some shitty videos uploaded to the internet, uh-huh. and then I'm blowing it up on my laptop screen, <laughs> and then I'm photographing it using T-Max 3200, uh-huh, like uh-huh. super shitty grainy black and white film. And so it has this interesting quality where you know that it's supposed to be sexual, it's supposed Mm. to turn you on, that's what it was made for, but when you look at the work, it's just kind of like... It's yeah, it's been, it feels more weird than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it's been so diluted and went through so much that it's kind of like it loses its exactly its edge as it goes through all the different pieces of media and censorship and it becomes... You know, eventually it'll just fades into nothing, you know? Yeah, and the, the edit that I actually did first was featured on Self-Published Be Happy through mm-hmm. their Self-Published Be Naughty section yeah, of their yeah, website. Yeah. Uh, so that was the kind of the catalyst that w- allowed me to to, <laughs> to get it published. Um, so, I don't know. After that, I worked with my friend Nate. He wanted to go for a more delicate uh-huh. approach which uh-huh. w- the end product is amazing and the design work that he did was really great they printed at conveyor on this like really oh nice. nice nice it's like thick newsprint paper yeah so it has a good quality i like the text the the way the the pixels are rendered on the film is very interesting yeah it feels kind of like fabric almost yeah 
Very packed. Nice. Well, I think that's a, a good place to take a break, and we're going to come right. back and talk uh, about some of the plethora of books that you brought. Okay, <laughs> we're going to yeah, make some choices, but we'll be back <laughs> in a second. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> if the camera has a hot shoe, I probably won't use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working very well for you. No, thank you. Actually, you know, most of the stuff I shoot with for the nuns is uh, Contax G1. Oh, okay. So it does have a flash yeah. on a hot shoe. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So we're back, and um, you brought a few different Japanese photo books here. I, don't, I think I'm going to start with the... Uh, Dog talk to us. Oh yeah, so we go from the the cats to the now we go to a book full of one dog. This is a photo book by Hiroshi Takagi, who is a Japanese photographer. He lives and works in Tokyo. Uh, a lot of the stuff he does is fashion related, but hmm. I had originally come across his work because he did a book with Pogo, which is a German publisher, uh, and my friend Peter Caden uh, has put out a couple books with Pogo. So I saw his stuff. I was following him on Tumblr and on Instagram, and I, I saw him post about this this dog book. It's called Dogs Speak to Us. And huh. It's all about his Shiba Inu, and I don't know. It's, just, it's a really fun book and right up my alley because obviously I love taking pictures of animals. Yeah. So I emailed him directly and asked him if I could buy it because I couldn't find it anywhere here. Wow. wow. Yeah. Nice. And he said, of course. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot. It's a dedication to one animal. It just always comes to mind of Ed Pinar's book, Animals That Saw Me. I've never, never seen. seen it. <laughs> oh, you would love that one. So Ed just kind of um, you know, it's the same thing. He just goes out and makes pictures, and then he started collecting all these images of when animals looked at him when he was taking yeah, the picture. Yeah. And it's a bizarre book. I don't own it. I don't know why I don't own it. I should own it. Sorry, Ed. Um, <laughs> I will buy it from you if you still have it. It actually sold out. I think the first edition sold out. I don't know. But Ed's, yeah, that's it's, it's a weird book. It's just all these animals that's kind of like, what are you doing taking my picture, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? I like his Instagram a lot. Yeah, you know the animals. Do you think that the animals know what's going on? I mean, this dog is posing, man. You know, come on. It's so yeah. expressive. Yeah. So I was working on a book about uh, my family back home in Ohio uh -huh. just got a new puppy, Brittany Spaniel, named Gus. Uh -huh. And so I, I had seen this book about a Sheba, and I decided to make a, a book about Gus for my mom for her birth, uh -huh. or for Christmas, actually. And, uh, yeah, she loved it. I'm, I imagine she cried, too. Oh, nice. So sad. There are animals. Going to animal heaven. No, no, Gus is the one that's alive, Kirby. Oh, he's yeah, alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is up. sad that Kirby died. <laughs> However, <laughs> luckily, I was actually able to take uh, some nice photos of Kirby uh, before he passed on. Yeah, I hope I don't. I hope I didn't just jinx Gus. You know, nah, uh, Gus has a long life ahead of him. It's inevitable for all of us. Yes. Yeah. yes. 
Well, you brought another one too, and um, Patrick, Modern Times, uh, how do you, it's Patrick. Sai, Sai I believe, yeah. yeah. So I remember following him, he was a little dead dick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. he's uh, he's not Japanese, he's, I believe, Taiwanese-American. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to NYU, and during the Iraq War, or so goes his bio online, he got mm-hmm. fed up with America, yeah. and so he bounced, and him and his girlfriend at the time were... We're traveling around Asia, and that was what my little dead dick was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's just like really fun snapshot photography. It's kind of PG thirteen, mm-hmm. whereas someone like Kaio Ume is very rated PG. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, no, but no. she's a very popular snapshot photographer in Japan who mostly takes pictures of kids being goofy and old mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. being goofy. So I mean. Patrick is based in Tokyo, and he has been working on various projects. Modern Times is a project that he did about China, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of an interesting glimpse into day-to-day life in China. Yeah, I mean, it's street photography, one of our favorite topics. Of, yeah, the show, of course, right? of course. <laughs> I mean, my problem, this is, I don't know, I mean, I guess I feel kind of awkward, like, oh, I'm into this stuff because... Maybe it's because it's not American or it's not Western, but then I kind of also feel guilty. It's like, am I just making, you know, China like this exotic other, you know, I'm looking at it from that perspective. I don't know. These are much deeper issues than just looking at Patrick Sai's book. This is (laughs) the history of Western photography in general, Western art in general. Yeah. Is the depiction of the other. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of loaded. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm a little fed up with kind of American Western street photography. And I, it, what always, it's interesting to me, though, is I feel this the state, you know, American and even Western European is so conceptual these days and so maybe even earnest documentary wrote with your large format camera or the Mamiya 7, my camera I love, but it's yeah. everyone uses it. And it's the snapshot and street photography is still kind of like... But here's a fun, uh, ironic scene. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know, but I mean, I, I feel like they don't. This is one are, of my favorite photos from the book. Yeah, and it's people a Buddhist monk drinking a beer. Drinking a beer. That's that's pretty good. It just that feels, is fun and yeah, ironic. Yeah, it just feels like people in I don't know on the serious art side in America they don't respect the snapshot anymore for some reason. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's because anyone can do it. It takes, <laughs> it takes no technical skill. But I mean, someone like Patrick, he's in China. He's from Taiwan, like he mm-hmm. blends in, and if you're using a 35 millimeter point and shoot, like you're able to get away with these types of photos. Yeah, but he made. I mean, there's nice photos in here too. You know, I think the with snapshot too is it just you have to take so many, you have to take so many photos. They're not, you know, it's it's like that quick quick glimpse, and then it's really the volume. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard to do snapshot photography without dealing with a mess of photos. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just that's the nature of it. And that's maybe that's kind of what pushed me off it's just like man the volume you really have to be out there shooting like every single day <laughs> yeah. and it's and then you got to be editing all the time and you you have to be deep into it and i think i'm more methodical these days where i kind of like shooting the medium format and then bringing it back and scanning and seeing where i am and it's just a slower process yeah it's, it's old it's old man photography going on <laughs> like black and white landscapes yeah. and kind of like i'm gonna do this for 15 years at least Ma- you're getting out of the car 
That's yeah, I mean, right. I'm walking. I'm still walking. And there's with the Mamiya. It, the weird thing with the Mamiya though is that it is kind of a snapshot camera. Yeah, it's like you put it at f11, 15 feet. And if you're in good light, you can shoot an epic like landscape as if you're walking right down the street. You know. Yeah. So that's it's interesting about the Mamiya. But this kind of color 35 film look is you know it's it's incredibly difficult to pull off and do it in an interesting way. But he certainly yeah, does. He you is. Know? And I like him because he's very diaristic too. Like he had a lot of this online, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like it was a big epic diary kind of. That's how a lot of go. his work started, and you know, it's uh, it's this whole movement. I mean, we'll get to Iraqi and Hero Mix, mm -hmm. but you know, photography in Japan drastically took a departure from Western photography during the late '60s with people like Moriyama and Takuma Nakahira with Provoke, where they went more conceptual than mm -hmm. kind of took a departure from realism. But then you see later on a lot more personal photography. Mm -hmm. So people like Iraqi who are taking pictures of their day-to-day -day lives and someone like Patrick Sai is more owing his lineage to Iraqi than to Moriyama mm -hmm. for sure. And I think, I don't know, it's kind of like, a precursor to the Instagram days. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. Like, I'm gonna take a picture of my pizza. That <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a good argument to say, like, it's you know, we're all somewhat doing that, and so why, well, why, why make this into a book? What's so special about these? Well, I his dedication and yeah, basically deciding that he's gonna put together a book that kind of shows these quirky, awkward moments mm -hmm. in modern day China. Yeah, and then following through with it. And sequencing it and then publishing yeah. it is the difference because you you know how you have all sorts of kids coming out of photo school yeah. and art school. I see a lot of my interns talk about how their professors are like, "Your work is too personal," you know, like because <laughs> everyone's taking pictures yeah. of their lives and. It's just like, how do you make your personal life interesting? Yeah, a hundred percent. And then me as like a you know, bordering on forty male. Balding dude. I'm like, I, there's not a lot going on here, you know. But I guess I feel like my stuff is when I go out to Long Island, I feel it's very personal and taking mm. these landscapes, but it's, it's still a reflection of what I'm thinking about this, you know, nostalgia, this, this memoir of looking at, you know, suburbia where I grew up. So that I do feel like you can make it personal, but still. Yeah. So that's know, an example of you taking something personal and turning it into. A legitimate art project <laughs> right, is right, that right. you are consistently going to Long Island and taking these landscapes, yeah, yeah. rather than just snapping. And I feel like on Instagram. What I that. like about the snapshot and like the mess of photos is that it gives you really, you know, sometimes it's noisy in Stockholm Studios. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the third floor <laughs> neighbors. Tom, uh, there's some, some third floor neighbors there. like to drink, yeah, especially on the weekends, and then they stomp their way all the way up. That's all right, man. I mean, <laughs> hey, we're, we live in New York, and none of us are uh, have exactly struck it rich yet. <laughs> so, New, we're gonna we're, we're gonna make do with what we have. You know? Stockholm Studios is not a hundred percent soundproof. <laughs> we're ruining. I guess that we're ruining the mystery for everyone at all. But yeah. yeah, I think what I like about Snapshot is the mess of photos. So what really got me thinking about this is, and this is a very, I don't know thing you'll hear a lot is like well why should i go out and make photos when i can just go take them from the internet you know and i've done yeah. started to do a lot of appropriation work screen work where i'm you know digging into it and it is 
it's fascinating. Like once you unchain yourself from like the stream of stuff, the 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 tumblers that you're following, and you kind of go out and like, well, what am I looking for? You just realize there's this insane amount of imagery, and it's a lot of it's crazy. Yeah, you know? I mean, you can, but you can find like various shades of crazy too, like really amazing snapshots on Flickr, and if you spend enough time there collecting them all of a sudden you have 300 photos that you've collected and you've done that in two hours where if i did that shooting it would take me like two and a half years you know i don't know yeah exactly to get those good photos. that's because you're also interested in photo curation yeah yeah so absolutely. that's, that's a I big mean, part of it i do enjoy i do my own curation through i have a second tumblr that mm -hmm. features mostly japanese photography and then i also collect photo books mm -hmm. that's kind of like my way of scratching that itch but yeah, for mean, me going out and taking snapshots like i just carry a camera with me at all times yeah. so there, there's something different about your process versus someone that's very empowered with an iphone and it's totally capable device but it because it's film it's separate and you're kind of forced to approach it at a later time i try to tell people this all the time it doesn't go over so well, but it's just like your iPhone, great. And I've heard, I've seen the billboards, whatever. You yeah, know, iPhone right, six, right, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. point taken. Except, I don't know. I've stood in line behind people at Photo Labs, uh, and they're trying to blow up their the Christmas card that they shot from their iPhone, uh, and it's just like you can't print that, you know? Yeah. Unless you're printing it really small, which is cool if that's what you want, or if you want it to live on the internet, cool. I have nothing against. Yeah. But it's almost the nature Camera. of the device. You're using Bones. something that's just specifically made for taking pictures. Yeah, so for me, I just really like 35 millimeter film. Yeah. Yeah. And I've developed a process where I can, sh I can shoot it fairly cheap. Uh -huh. And so it's just, it's an aesthetic choice, basically. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, when I'm thinking of the photography that I like, I'm thinking snapshot photography from the 90s when I was yeah. growing up. My dad had always been taking photos of every family function. And, yeah. then, you know, you all get yeah. together and you stand in a line. Well, it's and like then Blake Andrews. I mean, Blake Andrews would say, like, that's the best stuff. I mean, like, 35-millimeter snapshots where you catch, like, those fleeting moments in life where you're really close to it and it's kind of like, what what's happening there? It's not... But it's not an instant thing. Yeah. Well, with film, I mean, I'll go ahead and say, say it, whatever. Film is just, it's a different... It is a different aesthetic, but it's a different philosophy, too, yeah. a way of working. Exactly. Because I don't know what it is. You know that if I'm the Mamiya, I'm like, I have 10 frames in here, and I have, like, 10 rolls of film. So I'm like, I'm working with 100 potential frames. It's not yeah. It's not endless. It right. just isn't. It could be, I guess, if I brought X amount of film. But it isn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't. There is a process to it that just, you know, slows you down a little bit and makes you, you know. Yeah. And for me, like, half the fun is the anticipation, you know. Oh, yeah. And then you're scanning. You're like, oh. It's this, exciting. This Wait, either not, looks amazing yeah, or, whoops. Moment of truth. Like, like I oh, I accidentally <laughs> made this amazing photograph. Yeah. Or, oh, shit. Like, yeah. I was out of focus. I mean, me. come on. I'm, I have like 25 rolls of Delta 3200 sitting back in my apartment. I was considering maybe I should cancel this. And I <laughs> sit home and scan because I like scanning. Yeah. Yeah. I, whenever anyone says like, 
when they're, ah, I hate scanning, I dread it. I'm like, you are so full of shit. Uh, you <laughs> like it if you don't like sitting there and like finding that one photo that you completely forgot about. Yeah, exactly. Which is always the best photo. Yeah. And it's this hunt into your own kind of recollection. I mean, it gets really dicey when you start thinking about memory too, because when I go to Long Island, I come back and I try to, I write everything that I can remember. And I remember a lot of different things and scenes and stuff, but I rarely remember the photos I took. Yeah. Like I couldn't say, oh, I lined up this landscape with this house or these trees or whatever. It doesn't, like it doesn't register in that part of my memory. Mm -hmm. But when I go back and I look at the photo and I see it, it's like I remember right where I was standing and I remember making the photo. So the photo triggers that like memory of being there, whereas I couldn't, access that aspect of my memory just from trying to recollect it. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's and like, I mean... It's this weird the dynamic. Way yeah. You're getting so excited right now, which is... <laughs> it's exciting for me, yeah. too. The the thing... The other reason I shoot film is because they keep on axing different stock of film, and, like, right. eventually they're only going to be, like, Fuji superior. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, yeah. for me, it's also kind of, uh, I'm going to shoot this while I still can. Absolutely, yeah. That's, a, that's my... I bought the Delta. Th I'm like, how long are they gonna make Delta 3200 in 120? I mean, come probably on, right? for six more months. In this film, the more I work with it, it, this film is insane. Like the latitude I have on this, it's it's criminal. I mean, I don't even <laughs> I don't understand, and I'm probably not even getting the most out of it. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I like digital and all that stuff too. I shoot with my. It doesn't have to be a know. digital versus analog guy. It really yeah, is, no, and no, it's no. it's totally it's an application of when you know what you want to use it for and those sort of things. Yeah. There is, yeah, I always it's a philosophical thing with film, and I, I like people normally go to the aesthetic element, and I get that, but to me, it's really the philosophy and even having that the camera. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mumia is like I just can't get. You experience time in a totally different way yeah. with film than yeah. you do with digital. But even I can't get a camera like the Mamiya. I mean, they don't make one necessarily, maybe like a phase one. But I don't know, like the ergonomics of it and the way it's built, there just isn't yeah. a digital. Well, I've heard rumors of a Fuji medium format yeah. rangefinder, but mm. it'll probably cost like $20,000. Yeah, so right now the Pentax is kind of like the low end, the 6.4 yeah. or whatever, and that's right. like ten grand, but still... I don't know. I mean, you might as well just get a Nikon D810 or whatever. I mean, those things can shoot, but it's I don't like a DSLR. Yeah. You know? When I think of how heavy that camera is, <laughs> yeah, like, no, no there's thanks. no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a pocket point-and-shoot film camera is it's just it's always fun. Mine always broke, though. That was the problem. My XA and my Stylus Epic, everyone I had, that was, it somehow broke. You know? Yeah, there, were, uh, <laughs> there was another podcast I was listening to. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Chadwick Tyler. He was talking about all these kids in Brooklyn running around with Olympus styluses and like, oh, how they suck. And I was just like, I'm going to turn this podcast off. Right? Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. There are a lot of yeah. kids running around Brooklyn shooting with the same cameras that I shoot with. Yeah, yeah. Contacts, G1. Okay, yeah. everyone has the G2. Yeah. It's yeah. a little better autofocus. But you know what? <laughs> Guess what, guys? No one else is shooting nuns with a Contacts G1. Right. Yeah. So exactly. Suck it. Like, yeah. Suck it. Yeah, there you go. But like, yeah. yeah. There is a certain type of photography that's associated with each camera. Yeah. yeah. And you can't use a Yashica T4 without someone being like, ooh, that's what uh, but you know, and this Terry Richardson uses. This yeah. kind of comes back to some of the stuff we, like most photography is working with tropes anyway. So the people that think you're going to run away from a trope in photography, come on. I mean, you're always, 
defined, you know, somewhat defined by like, you know, you're using this camera, you're trying to shoot documentary, you're shooting personal, you're shooting landscape, you're working within, you know, certain tropes, whether it's aesthetic, subject matter. So you, you might as well understand them and play with them. You know, you're not going to completely run away from it, right? You know? Yeah. And when people think of Konica Big Mini, they think of Hero Mix. Yeah, nice, nice segue. That was my segue. <laughs> yeah, so this is who's uh, here. Uh, this is Girls Blue. Hero Mix Girls Blue. Mm-hmm. So Hero Mix is one of the original snapshot girls from Japan. Okay. She she won the whatever the camera award that Canon sponsors. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like a photography competition. A lot of young talent wins this award in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so Hero Mix was nominated for the award by Iraqi. He really liked her work that she was making when she was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a lot of, it's very diaristic. It's very much point and shoot photography, snapshot photography. Mm-hmm. But the the general feel that you get from looking at this series of images is this is the world, it's kind of like, I mean, Hero Mix is friends with Sofia Coppola. So, uh, you know, like you capture this kind of suburban ennui. Right. I mean, this vibe. is a very fashion. This is a very fashion she, lifestyle. Yeah, kind she's of a thing, very fashionable like, person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always, to me, when I, the more I kind of point to, I'm like, this huh. is fashion. I mean, to me, this is like, I bet she shoots fashion stuff, right? I mean, like, I think she, money. I honestly think she's a DJ now. Oh, really? Yeah. Which, <laughs> well, anyway, she's doing something cool with, like, you know, on yeah. some sort of. Cutting edge part of culture. You know? Pays better than photography. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, she has a certain aesthetic. And um, when I went into Dashwood to buy this book, actually, they were like, mm, Hero Mix? And I was just like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, so you're the wrong person to be buying it? Is that the thing? No, 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 no. Oh, They're condescending just. Condescending tone? The, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. People look down on snapshot photography, as we all know. Mm. And those of us who pride ourselves on being in that genre, I would right. call my work more snapshot documentary, whatever that means. Yeah. But, you know, like you look at someone like Nick Wapplington, mm-hmm. he's got similar vibe snapshot documentary, yeah. I guess. But, you know, here makes it goes back to this idea. I made a conscious decision a year and a half ago that I was going to stop building a portfolio for commercial fashion. Mm-hmm. I was going to stop doing model tests because it just it was good practice for portraiture but mm. just not a very fulfilling or rewarding track and so i looked and i was like okay i didn't go to art school um what can i do what what can i do to build a portfolio that has some consistency and so what i decided was okay i did this japanese porn project <laughs> i'm going to try to create a portfolio that is geared towards it's like an an exploration of japanese photography right so right. I did a street series that was very rough, blurry, out of focus. Uh-huh. It's called Negative Blue. Uh-huh. I decided to do it in color instead of black and white just to be slightly different. But it's heavily influenced by Moriyama and the Provoke photographers. Right. And then you come to Girls Blue Hero Mix, which a lot of the photographs that I've been taking over the, co- the course of two years fall into this like snapshot yeah. genre. But, like, what do you do with them? Yeah, I mean, and I think it's interesting that the trope that you're riffing on Japanese photography, I mean, like, it's 
you know, like that's why why not like Argentini, you know, from Argentina, well, uh, like South America. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Japan has right. a rich history in photography. Yeah. I would say they make all the cameras too. They, make all, they the make all the cameras. They have a rich history in photography, but also in photo book making. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And like, there is no three week long Argentinian photo festival in New York City. <laughs> right, There's right. a three week long Japanese yeah, yeah. photography symposium or whatever yeah. in in New York City. So. Basically, what I had decided, I bought Girls Blue. I was looking at it, and I'm like, okay, well, no one's going to be interested in my day-to-day life. All right. So what can I do to make my snapshot photography more interesting? And I developed this idea with my friend Kyoko about creating a fake documentary project similar to Hero Makes Girls Blue Mm -hmm. about a Japanese girl living in New York. And that's kind of the project that I'm working on right now. Um, Almost done with it. It's called Snapshot Girl. Uh And it's kind of just, um, it's fake, but it's fun. And it's, it's, it's a mixture of my personal life, Kyoko's personal life, DIY fashion shoots that we did together. She's just a She's a makeup artist, so we did a lot of model tests together, yeah. and it's just a fun way to, so to you're shoot. Kinda, yeah, you're kind of coming full circle on the tropes. It's like I can basically replicate yeah. what you're doing down to like living the lifestyle, you know? Well, I don't want to replicate Hero Mix, but mm-hmm. kind of take her book as inspiration. And as you said, you thought Breda Davis was a girl. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. the idea of... Yeah. Putting out a book where people you you put it out and people they are like they they like oh this Japanese girl took all these photos when she lived in New York cool so similar things have been done in the past right. Takashi Hama did a book is beautiful book it's called like Tokyo and my daughter or something um, similar sorry if that's not the correct title but. <laughs> You know, I looked at this book and I'm like, whoa, this is great. Like, this is amazing. And then I found out yesterday that's not his daughter. It's his friend's daughter. (laughs) And, yeah, it's about a feeling. It might not be 100% true. But so, I mean, this is kind of like the, maybe at some point when the further I got down in photography, it was like, okay, I'm I'm a street photographer. Yeah, I'm a street photographer. That's who I am. And it's like. No, I was interested in the genre of street photography and kind of like living that. But then as I kept doing it, it's like I'm interested in other things too. So it's kind of, you know, it become it, it, it comes full circle for you where you're a conceptual photographer. That you're playing with the genre, you're yeah. playing with the aesthetic and the trope. And at this point you realize it's all malleable. You can kind of like mm-hmm. play with it however you want. You can take snapshot aesthetic and you can do that for one thing and if you want to go switch it up and shoot black and white medium form you could probably yeah, do that no exactly to. yeah no there is but like as an art photographer these need it's the days where you're kind of like my entire life is i'm just a large format <laughs> black and white yeah and well like, and i'm gonna define myself by this one thing it just seems a little antiquated i know there's some people that do it really well and they can like that's kind of their thing i'm just i'm always shooting black and white 35 and at the end of my life i'm gonna have this epic monograph with my, my 60 best photographs. Yeah. Great. Love those guys. Beautiful photos. It's not for me. I, my head doesn't work that way. Well, I guess it's kind of liberating for me because I don't make any money. And so I can just, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. You yeah. know, that person who's taking black and white landscapes, he might be making all his money from black and white landscapes. Uh-huh. Probably but, not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but I'm still learning, you know, yeah. and 
I'm trying new things. I really like working on projects. I always have. So just taking one project at a time, trying to do long-term projects, short-term projects. I have a lot of ideas that I need to... So we should. I mean, we're kind of we're, we're, we're wrapping up here. Okay, so yeah. this is a good the the this last one. So the last book I'm looking at the black one. This is Iraqi, right? Yeah, it's Iraqi. Okay. It's called Sentimental Journey slash Winter's Journey. And uh-huh. so the first half of the book are photos from his honeymoon with his wife. Uh-huh. And then the last half of the book is the year that his wife was dying. Oh, man. So Jeez. That's tough. Uh, no, it's... it's That's a real old man kind of book, mm, isn't it? You know? It's incredibly beautiful. Oof. And the text, I obviously don't speak Japanese, uh-huh. but my friend read me the text. We went through page by page and read the text together. And you can just, like, see his mental state through these images. Uh-huh. Like, you can feel the love in the first half of the book. And then in the second half of the book, you see him, there's a lot of repetition. You can oh. tell that he's not really thinking about the photographs he's taking. He's just, he's just like snapping yeah. the view from his, his back porch. He's taking pictures of his wife's cat. He's taking pictures of the sign that he sees yeah. of a woman with a cat, and he takes mm-hmm. it over and over again. So I don't know. It's just... It's, 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 probably, it's, it's probably why he's a master, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's deeply, deeply personal. Yeah. His other work is great, but... This work just really I mean, hits is, home for me. This it's, is, I mean, he, he, this black and white is, this is just, I mean, you can, like, this is somebody who knows how to make photographs. I mean, yeah. just can make, make beautiful pictures. And this is just, that's it. I mean, to me, I always go, I'm a, I'm a picture guy. I think, like, the picture, I like the pictures. And the pictures are, are good, you know? Oh. That photograph, him holding his wife's hand yeah. is one of my favorite photographs. Wait, I think I'm reading it backward. I must have been. You, you are. No, yeah. You, okay, it's Japanese, so you have to. Oh man! <laughs> so I just got conned in, and like, no wonder it's. You been so started depressing. with the death first. Oh <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh man. And when you when you listen to interviews with Iraqi or you watch a documentary, which is cool, uh-huh. I suggest anyone what who's listening to watch it. But I mean, Iraqi's been doing this for years now, and he has his pitch every time he talks about his work. And he's like, life, love. Like, <laughs> he just goes like, ah, he's just like really passionate. And uh, obviously for some guy who has built a career on taking pictures of naked women, he loves women, you know? Yeah. But I feel like the images of his wife are more loving and sensual Definitely. than lustful. Well, yeah. I think that's a great way to end it. I mean, I'm sure we could keep going on for a long yeah. time, but uh, we'll have to have you back and uh, talk about some more. Thanks for Thanks bringing all these yeah, yeah, books. No, thank yeah. you guys for having me. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. That's I rad. can't wait for the tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and co-produced by Tom Starkweather and Eddie Volante. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Thanks again for listening.